Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wannabe Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. And today I'm here with the Fed. Hey, Fed, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tiago. Appreciate you having me. It's it's uh, absolutely my pleasure. Fed is a part-time uh, indie maker, and uh, you probably know him from Twitter. He has built Gummy Search, a great product to find communities on Reddit. And uh, of course, the Hive Index, the I guess one of the biggest directories of communities in in the internet, and of course, it also includes the wannabe entrepreneur space. So today we'll be speaking about his path, his journey into indie hacking, his background, uh, how he found entrepreneurship, and uh, how he's building his products. Is is has a very interesting approach in the way he builds his products, and I'm super curious to know more about that. And as well, of course, to speak about communities, because uh, Fed also works in uh, in this scope, the same scope in the in the community business, let's say, but in a com- in the different perspective, right? He lists his communities, and he has seen a lot of them, so I'm sure that this will bring a lot of uh, interesting conversations here and a lot of uh, cool topics to discuss. So before we start, Fed, I would love to ask you to give a little introduction about yourself to the listeners. Who is Fed? I'm an indie hacker for about a year and a half now. Uh, I currently have two bootstrapped products of my own, uh, the Hive Index, which is a directory of online communities, and Gummy Search, which is an audience research tool for Reddit. I also... uh, do part-time consulting as a fractional CTO for early stage startups while my own products are uh, taking off. And for the past year and a half, I've actually been traveling the world with my wife and and our cats. Uh, So really enjoying the freedom that the indie hacker lifestyle uh, allows. Super cool. So what were you before becoming an indie hacker? Well, I, I, work, I worked for a startup. Um, I, was the, I was the first engineer at uh, an early stage startup in New York City. And uh, I joined as the fourth employee and uh, I worked there for six years. The company grew to 150 people and it was, it was awesome. And I had, I had such, a, uh, such a wonderful time at that company and I learned so much. I learned all, a lot of the technical skills that I use in my in my current work, uh, but I did miss uh, building early stage products. I had a failed startup of my own before joining this company and working there for six years. Uh, and when when a company reaches 150 people, the kinds of challenges that you work on they simply change. You 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 work with you know you work with people, um, and it's it's uh, I love working with people. I, I enjoy managing, but a big part of me really missed just building early stage products. Uh, and so I, um, about a year and a half in, uh, decided to, to try to pursue those passions again. But it must have been a very interesting uh, challenge as well for you, right? Like being one of the first engineers in a startup and then seeing it grow until it reached 150 employees must be really exciting, no? It was, it was, yeah, absolutely. And, and we built some some awesome products. Uh, we our, our company went international, um, and I met some really amazing people through through that process. Uh, but what I but what I did 
uh, you know, noticed about the last couple of years working there is I wasn't really, you know, building, uh, building new products. And that's, that's something that right. I just always associated myself with. I'm, I'm a maker, I'm a creator. I enjoy, I enjoy the process of, of coming up with something and, and building it, launching it, showing it to the world. Uh, yeah. and, and I felt like that was missing from my life a little bit. Since when did you know that you were a maker? And the reason why I ask this is, this is not a, a profession or, or a path that is well recognized, right? So when you're trying to, early on, trying to find a profession, you can be a software engineer, an engineer, a doctor, whatever. No one really tells you that you can become mm -hmm. a maker, right? But we know that we are. And, and it makes sense now for me as well. Now that I meet all the other makers, yeah, this is what I've been all my life. Mm -hmm. um, what about you? Like, since when did you realize that you're like, you know, I, I want to be a maker. I want to create things. Yeah, um, that's that's a good question. Uh, and and may, maybe maybe parts of, uh, you know, the maker philosophy like might come out in in my childhood or me growing up. But I think that the, the first concrete times that come to mind are probably when I was in university. Um, I studied mechanical engineering when, okay. when I was in school, uh, and I found myself really drawn to the engineering lab and design lab where I would just go in, I would go in there, you know, on the weekends and nights, and I would just use the CNC mills, the 3D printers, the laser cutters, and I would just cool. make stuff. Uh, my, um, yeah, my senior year, I, I decided to, instead of taking uh, another class, I um, applied to build a uh, motorized longboard that was my project i i, I took a, a longboard you know a big skateboard put yeah. a big motor on it um and that's awesome yeah it, it, it was it was really cool and it was super fun um and i think that i i really just realized that instead of instead of taking the traditional route with with my studies i would i would rather just be in the lab and and try to try to come up with things and After graduating, I, I realized how lucky I was to have access to the university uh, machine lab to, to make my hardware products. It's a little trickier uh, to do it after graduating, but that's when I found the world of software where really all that you need is your computer. You have the internet, which will teach you to make anything that you want. Uh, and it's, it's so, much, uh, so much of a quicker cycle to, to build something, to show the world. And so I've, I've been making software for the past 10 years and haven't looked back. So would you say that you found the passion for coding, not because you particularly loved coding, but more because you're, you love the possibility of making things, of transforming ideas into a, an actual product only using your laptop? That's a, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that it's, there's something amazing of taking something from a concept, an idea, And making it happen, creating it, showing it to your friends, getting feedback on it. I think that's a, it's a wonderful yeah. thing. And especially when you can build something that helps other people, uh, that's, uh, that's incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I, because I, it was exactly the same for me. You know, when I, I did the electric engineering and actually I had a lot of fun in the last, also in my master's. So that's like three years, uh, kind of bachelor's and then master's and In my master's, um, it was kind of robotics and I had a lot of cool um, projects around robotics. And I, I told to myself, okay, I want to do this uh, when I graduate because this is really amazing. But yeah, as you said, it's super hard to get access to the hardware. And, and the laptop allows you like, 
it's that's our whole life like we are building our products with this you know tiny thing here that we can carry in our backpack that that's absolutely crazy we like to build stuff but we also like to be ourselves building it right so even you worked in a startup and you liked it at first because you felt that you were crucial uh to it but then it started growing and you realized okay now i'm not building anymore um is it also kind of egoistic thing that we want to be the ones making it i think i think some people that uh that have an entrepreneurial spirit they are a bit restless in terms of the challenges they take on and they always want to uh grow in certain ways and to keep on creating and so i i think i'm not i'm not the only one in the indie hacker world that uh, might feel confined from a certain job where you're not where you're not fully in control over what you're working on, what you're building, and and the success of the product. So personally, I like the accountability of being accountable to myself uh, and to my users, my customers, and I think that's uh, that's a powerful thing to, yeah. to drive you forward and to make good products. Yeah, yeah, definitely, totally, totally agree. You told us that you also had a startup before that. So after college. Mm -hmm. Did you try to start your own thing? Yeah, uh, I did. I, I, I started a company with uh, two of my friends from, from college. Uh, it was in the recruiting space. Uh, and to be honest, this, this actually started from our own experience. We realized that we had, uh, that it was not easy to, to get a job. Um, even after coming from a, a really good university, uh, we found that, um, there were certain career paths like consulting, you know, investment banking, where there were all these paths to, to finding a job. But for some of the things that we wanted to do, um, it wasn't so easy. And so we we made a tool to help connect people with jobs, essentially, uh, through mutual relationships, through through their friends. Um, eventually, uh, we realized that what we were building is a three-sided marketplace. And even two-sided marketplaces are yeah. hard. So the three-sided marketplace just... <laughs> It was uh, it was crazy and, and it didn't quite work. Um, we, we had we had a, a fun pivot um, at the end where we decided, okay, let's just focus on one user type and that's the job seeker. That's who we really empathize with. Uh, and so we built essentially a reverse applicant tracking system. Um, it's a, a tool for job seekers to organize their their job search. Interesting. Uh, but unfortunately, by that time we had already run out of money and we were pretty beat up. From, yeah, from the startup roller coaster. So uh, everyone went and, and found their own jobs. For how long were you doing that? This was about a year. A year. Uh, and it was a pretty it was a pretty crazy year because uh, my my co-founders and I we all lived together and we also moved uh, across different countries. We lived in Berlin for a couple of months for the summer to initially incubate the idea right. and we were like moving every single month and then we moved back to the states uh, we were moving every single month and imagine having your startup and everyone just works from the house and every couple of weeks you need to find a new place to live so it was a pretty it was a pretty wild time <laughs> in our uh in our journey i wouldn't I, there were certain things that i would change um and have changed since since learning yeah. from that experience but why did you have to move so so often that's, that's, a, that's a good question we probably didn't have to uh, didn't have to do it that way. I think that we always had like a couple of months of runway left. And so we weren't sure, uh, we weren't sure what our future was, was going to be, whether our startup was going to be around, uh, where, uh, where we were able to live. One of my co-founders, he had 
a visa he had to deal with. And so we were always just kind of extending it, you know, getting a little bit of angel funding and extending our runway by like one or two months, um, which, uh, you know, seemed like a good idea at the time. But uh, but now I realize how it's it's so difficult to, you know, to have such short goals um, and uh, it's not a very healthy environment to build a company. in. Whereas I think on the other hand, the indie hacker mindset where you are not just crafting a business, you're crafting a lifestyle in certain ways. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know about everyone else, but for me, you know, my, my time scale now is, is years, you know, I'm, I'm ready to basically let my current projects, uh, you know, grow over the next couple of years. And I'm not worried about running out of money and, you know, having to shut the business down. I'm, I'm in it for the long run. And, I yeah. recognize that it's an investment, but, um, you know, that take that takes a while, and yeah. So I guess I would say it's it's a different kind of mindset that I have now than than my first start. So experience. you don't have the pressure to make ends meet with your with your products, uh, at least in the short in the short term. Yeah, I think that comes from um, a couple of things. One is what I mentioned about uh, doing consulting work uh, in order to sustain, you know, my my life and. I think having some sort of income and not right. purely yeah. being dependent on the money that you get from angel investors, I think that makes that makes a big difference. Um, also, you know, the reason that I chose to go down this path after working for six years at this at this tech company was so that I can give another shot and give it a give it a good shot. And so, yeah, during those times that I was working for my growing startup, I saved money. I made sure that when I did leave that I had a couple years where I could really, um, you know, prove out what I can build and, and give it the time that it needs to. Be right, sure. right, right. And, and to be honest, out of college, starting a startup with, with the two friends, I mean, there's a, there's a, if I think about when my first projects out of college as well, I, I, I knew nothing. Right. And you just mentioned that, like, yeah. I think all of us tried to build these B2C crazy platform, the new Facebook kind of mm -hmm. platform. And then we quickly realized that it's actually harder than it is, right? We, 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 we have seen like Twitter, we have seen Facebook, the social network movie, and we think, okay, this is cool. I mean, we can change the world and become millionaires. But what we don't realize is how hard it is to create a platform that needs to create value. So it's like the chicken and the egg, right? Like you need users to create mm -hmm value or, or companies to create values for the job seekers and, and vice versa. I guess now w when you look back, w what are like the biggest mistakes that you, that you can point out and say, okay, these were huge mistakes that we did in that first year trying to build our startup. You know, and I, I've thought about it a lot when you, when you invest a year of your life into something and then you shut it down, you yeah. really go through yeah. a, a serious re reflection period. Um, and I have, boiled it down to three things. Number one is marketplaces are hard, especially three-sided marketplaces. So that was the the idea that we pursued uh, early on. So which were the three um, elements? So it, it was essentially a social recruiting platform. So there was someone that was looking for a job. Yeah. There was the company that's offering the job. Yeah. And then there's the middleman, uh, your your friend that would help refer you to this job. Oh, okay, uh, got it. And in order for what well, we were yeah. to work, <laughs> Super all hard. the sides needed, needed to work out, which is which is tricky. Yeah. So that's number one. 
Number two is also what I mentioned, the, um, you know, just having the runway, <laughs> having the runway yeah. and knowing that you can make long-term decisions. Uh, I felt like we were always fundraising for small angel checks throughout, throughout that process. And it distracted from what really mattered, which was growing a sustainable business. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a big learning that I had is if you're, if you're pursuing startup, get ready to go in for a long run and make sure that you're comfortable, you know, make sure that you're not just working 16 hour days every single day, locked up, locked up in a house with, with your, with your co-founders, because that's not sustainable. Um, that, there was one moment where I realized that because we worked where we lived and I realized, hey, I haven't left the house. I haven't gone outside in three days. That's a problem. You know, now I live I live a very different lifestyle. Um and yeah. and I think it's it's something that's much better for long term. Definitely the the mindset is different because you have a way to to pay your bills, right? Like but but for me I was just telling you we we're, were speaking uh off record about Lisbon and how Lisbon is becoming the city of indie makers. And, and you asked me, like, if, if I noticed that. And I said, no, because I'm mostly at my house. Um, so I, I still feel that a little bit, even though I'm an indie maker, because I'm a full-time indie maker and I, I have a sh short runway and I'm trying to make it, right? I'm trying to, to make so that I don't need an extra job. So I think more than, like, being a difference between a startup or... You, you just need money. You just mo need money to live. And, and if you don't have a, a, an extra um, income source, uh, I guess it's it's hard not to to stress about it and focus a lot on it, right? It is. I, I agree. And that's that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, I, I do talk to some indie makers about doing what I'm doing, which is some part-time consulting yeah. on the side. I think that it, it eases up a lot of the stress. And if you if you think about it, the, the indie maker community, these are some of the most talented people out there. They are they are they're builders, they're coders, they're marketers, they do they do all the jobs. These are very, very employable people, even if it's not for 40 hours a week. Um, and I do think that it's uh, going to become even more and more accepted that someone might have a part-time job, a part-time you know, co-founder position, a consulting, uh, a consulting business while they uh, have their own bootstrap products and, and give them the time that it takes to, to mature. Let's talk about that, uh, that side job that you have, because I found that really interesting. And a lot of the full-time makers that I have in the WB space, they have the same problem. They, they want to be a little bit more relaxed. They want to have an extra source of income, but they still are 100% focus in their projects. So it's really hard for them to find a job that only takes them one day or two days per week instead of the full week. So can you describe a little bit uh, what you're able to find? Yeah, so I, uh, I currently consult for two startups as a fractional CTO. And the, uh, the idea is that I help them build out their early products, help them get to product market fit, um, and then when the time is right, help hire the full-time team that, uh, that will replace me. Usually this happens after a significant, uh, source of funding after building out the MVP and showing that there are, there are customers. Uh, and so, you know, both of, both of these two companies that I work with right now, they have come through my personal network from, uh, some from people that I met, uh, in my, um, just in my life, some from work from that company that I worked at. For, for six years. 
Uh, and this, uh, this agreement of being a part-time CTO and what that, what that means for, for both of us is something that's, uh, it was very important to determine that upfront to talk about it. And everyone is on the same page as to, as to, you know, what the goals yeah. are. Um, and so far it's been, it's been going great. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I'm speaking a little bit for the other companies, but I'm getting an indication that they, that they really appreciate this as well. And for the indie makers that might be that might be considering something like this i find that it's a nice way to um you know make a little income you're not you're not going to be making the income from your full-time job uh but that but that might be a good thing you still have a fire under your ass you know because you're making half a salary right, right. Uh, and but you also have 20 hours 20 to 40 hours a week to pursue your own your own products and then when the time is right you can scale back your consulting time, you can figure out a way to basically transition it seamlessly to, uh, to your own projects. So that's, that's kind of the idea. And, and I, I've met some other um, indie makers that do the same thing with their consulting work. Yeah, me too. The first time I heard about it was actually from Anthony from Indie Worldwide. Mm -hmm. He told yeah. me about it. And I, I was like, okay, this, this definitely sounds like a great job for an indie maker, right? Because you don't, I don't know. Do you actually do any coding, or is mostly like? Uh... Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. So it's also kind. Of, it's not only CTO. It's always it's a hands-on CTO, right? It's 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 both, but it depends on it depends on what's needed by that company. And every you know, both the companies I work with, the, the, they're different. One of them, I don't do any coding at all whatsoever at this point, but that's because it's a little bit later stage. I've I've hired the team, and now it's much more of an advisory role. So in the in the company where you actually code. What do you do? Like, are you just part of their development team? Do you just build features? What What are the roles there? I, I am I am the development team. Okay, you are the okay. Got it. And in the other one, you you manage their team then? Not manage. Uh, I think I think that um, a part time manager might be a little bit tough, but it was it's more along the lines of uh, for that for that company. I built out the initial product. We we launched it. We we got the first thousand customers. The company raised a significant amount of, of funding, and that allowed for us to hire a engineer, data scientist, product manager. I helped onboard them, train them. Now they're building out the company, taking it to the next, taking it to the next level. And I check in as an advisor with the tech team, and then with with the founders every once in a while. So it's uh, much, much less involved now than it was in the beginning stages when we were actually building out the product. Okay. Okay. Really? Do, do you have any equity on the company? Yes. Okay. Yes. As an advisor. Yeah. It somehow seems that you, you are like a freelancer, you know, a part-time employee to this company, mm -hmm. if you, especially if you also do coding. Uh, but yet the, the nomenclature um, fractional CTO sounds much much cooler, right? I mean, no, I'm the fractional CTO. <laughs> it's a cool title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit different than um, you know than purely freelancing because I think that a lot of the decisions around the kind of team that you create, the uh, the strategy for building out the architecture, for integrating the software, for um, for developing team i think that it's it's a little bit more than than just than just coding yeah um, but yes it's it is essentially freelancing uh with a little bit of a twist yeah. but you know i i like it it's it's um i i find that it's uh it's nice because my my goal right now is to work on what i want with with who i want whenever i want and i think that this ability to 
um, you know, to work with cool companies. I, I learn from them. I learn about, I learn about these new industries. Yeah, um, exactly. I, make, I make connections. And so it's, it's quite, it's quite powerful. And so far, all of the companies that I work with have been through word of mouth of other people just hearing that I do this. And so, um, it's been, it's been pretty fun and it, and it's, yeah. uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. No, and uh, what you just mentioned, you learn about other companies, you learn about the problems that other companies have, and that's crucial for an entrepreneur because then you can fix, you can build a SaaS or software to fix those problems, and you already have companies mm -hmm. to pitch them to. So I, I totally agree. So how is your schedule, actually? Do you have like, okay, two days per week, you work on these companies, and the other three, you work on your projects, or is like a little bit mixed? Yeah, it's it's more it's more of what you say. Um, I, I split the days. I, I I've tried a couple of different things, but what I realize is that uh, I only want to focus on one company in one given day because I've definitely right. had days where I realized, hey, I'm working at at four different companies today, and that's hard to that's hard to maintain. And as I mentioned, I'm in it for the long run, and so I need to. I need to do the things that are sustainable. And what I found works for me is to um, split up my week in a, in a way where I can give 100% to whatever the task at hand is. And then I switch to another project of mine, another company. Um, and I actually find that this makes me more efficient okay. because I can use the learnings from other products that I'm working on and apply them to new projects, apply them to my own projects uh, and having that ability to switch. And it's almost like, it's almost like a second weekend. You know, if I, uh, if I work on something on Tuesday and I'm working on something else on Wednesday, it's, it's almost like a little reset to, uh, to switch to another project and, and kind of come at it with, with the uh, intensity that it, that it deserves. But how can you disconnect from, from your own projects? Because if it was me, you know, there's always things that you have to do. I don't know, people sending you messages, yes. emails, a little bug or uh, some crash that is happening. Even even your brain is still like, okay, having new ideas. Let's say you're building or you're trying to solve a problem and you cannot f finish it uh, in time. And then the next day you have to focus on something mm -hmm. completely different. Can you really disconnect? I think so. I think so. I, um, I think there's a difference between allocating time for deep work and having the little things that come up that you need to deal with. And so obviously I, uh, I really, I'm really invested in my own, my own products, um, especially gummy search, which is, you know, it's an active SaaS. I have, I have, a, I have a lot of active customers right. that, uh, that depend on me and, and I, I'm going to be responsive to, to them. And so I'm always answering emails and I'm always, you know, on Twitter chatting, chatting with other indie makers and, and talking to them about, um, you know, what they're working on and what they're using my tools for. Um, but I find that if I am going to sit down and just do like a solid chunk of coding, of marketing, I plan for that and I plan for that in my week and I allocate it and I make sure that um, I only really need to focus on, you know, one or two important things a day. And I find that in the long run, this this makes me really productive, even though it's spread across multiple products. This is super interesting. Uh, I think that this might be the best solution I've, I've found so far to solve the money problem for indie makers uh, that are starting out. So, yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing this with the, with the wannabe entrepreneurs. And so, you, you, of course, you, 
if, if, if any of your listeners, um, you know, want to want to do something similar, uh, feel free to, to hit me up on Twitter. I, I, I've written I've written about some of this on the Indie Hacker forums and on, on Twitter. So I'm happy cool. to, to advise people. Yeah. That. And we'll share all of that in the show notes of the of the episodes. But let, let's get into the cool stuff. Let's get into gummy search. You said um, it's your uh, main SaaS at the moment. What what is your pitch? What is Gummy Search for people that never heard about it? Gummy Search is an audience research tool for Reddit. Uh, it helps uh, early stage founders discover online communities full of their target customers, discover what they're talking about, the pain points that they're expressing, the solutions that they're asking for, the times when they're discussing spending money or the alternatives or solutions they're looking for. Uh, and this is currently used um, as a tool by uh, early stage entrepreneurs to come up with new business ideas, to validate business ideas, to find people to talk to about their pain points if they have a solution in mind, and for people to find customers on, on Reddit that are expressing the pain points or the needs that your business can solve for them. Cool. I think a great explanation. Why Reddit? Why, why did you pick Reddit for this and not Twitter, LinkedIn, or other forum? Yeah, you, you know, and, and, and that's that's a good question. I, I get I get that a lot. A lot of people are like, "Hey, can you build? Can you build Twitter? Can you build Facebook? Yeah. Can you build? Can you build Quora?" Um, I I originally built Gummy Search as a tool for my own needs. So to kind of rewind a little bit, the other product that I have, which I know you're familiar with because you're featured yeah. on it, is the Hive Index. It is a directory of online communities. Um, at this point, I have about 1,300 of them. I got inspired by the indie maker community. I got inspired by the concept of online communities as a whole, and I started keeping a list of them. And then eventually, that that became a site, and I started sharing it. People people liked it, uh, but it's but it's a free it's a free tool, right? And so I and I, and I didn't. And this was early in my maker journey. I didn't want to spend any money on marketing, and my SEO hadn't kicked in at that point. And so, how do you how do you spread the word uh, about a, about a free resource when you don't have any money and you don't have any audience right. and you don't have any SEO dues? Um, and so, I found all these people on Reddit that were actually asking for the same exact solution that I have. They were saying, "Hey, do you know any Slack groups for entrepreneurs? Do you know any Discord servers for programmers? Do you know any good communities on gardening, on parenting?" And I had this website that. And these individual pages that are exactly what people were asking for, and I recognize this in Reddit. This is a really good place to um, to mm -hmm. answer those questions. And so I started uh, I started responding with my links, and it was driving traffic, and people loved it. People were re receptive, um, which I think I knew, I know a lot of people are a little intimidated by by Reddit of you know posting your yeah. own links, but when you're actually answering the question, it's okay. when you're actually helping someone out, it's okay, and they're and and it's welcome. Yeah, and so. Initially, Gummy Search was actually just like a script for myself to spread the word about the Hive yeah. Index. Um, and then after, you know, after using it for a couple months and just seeing the results, I figured, hey, maybe I'll release it to others and see what see what they think. Um, and it's it's actually pretty crazy to see how the product has changed since I since I let it loose because initially it was kind of this this marketing tool right um, and I and I kind of expected that people would be using it like I was using it um, and some people did but a lot of people were using it in different ways okay. a lot of people were like hey I'm gonna find my 
I'm going to find my next business idea from this, you know, or I'm going to find out what people are asking questions about so that I can write content so that I can, um, you know, answer those queries and get Google search traffic. And so it was pretty, cool. you know, insightful just to see what people were using it for, what people wanted. And then really yeah. the product has taken, you know, a life of its own since, since I got um, other people involved, which has been pretty And fun. that's how you should build your product as well, right? So you should solve a problem with an MVP and then let your, your users guide you, right? And uh, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people do is that they, <laughs> they go into their dark room for months building a product that no one wants. And uh, yeah. one thing that I always advise people, by the way, is to use Reddit to validate uh, their ideas. So mm -hmm. that's something that I also have done. So if you have an idea, there's a subreddit about anything. So you just find the right subreddit for you, right? Uh, and uh, what I normally do is I go there and I ask how they are solving the problem that I want to solve with my product. And I see their responses. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if they answer or, or if they say like, yeah, I don't know how to solve it or I don't have any proper solution, then I think, okay, maybe this is something. Or sometimes they just give you already great competitors that I can use myself. Or sometimes it just doesn't have any traction and which kind of can also give you some indication that no one really cares about the problem that you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So to, to audience research, I've always used Reddit and I think it's, it's a great tool for marketing. Uh, I've always, maybe because I always try to, to write my own posts, sometimes it works really great. Sometimes you'll just get uh, trashed, you know, so you, you really need to, mm -hmm. to have a thick skin on, uh, on Reddit. But yeah, definitely, I totally see the value of uh, Gemi Search, and uh, yeah, I it's it's great to hear. And what you described about validating with Reddit—that's something that I, I've seen over and over again by entrepreneurs. People say, "Hey, I got my idea from Reddit, or I got my initial traction. I start, I found people to talk to. I found real opinions of what actually people think about this space, these competitors." And everyone, everyone does it, but uh, Reddit's not exactly built for finding that kind of content. Reddit is built for, um, you know, for scrolling, for discovering new things. Uh, and I think that's, that's where I saw the opportunity yeah. to build a tool that is, you know, using the same content on Reddit, but with an opinionated approach to find exactly what entrepreneurs need. Uh, to help right. them in their journey. So the way the tool works that you can define certain keywords and it will like search through multiple communities and tell you where you can uh, plug your product or you can do some research on the keywords you're searching for, right? Yeah, so there's, um, by this point, Gummy Search is, is a pretty mature product. And I would say that there are different ways that, that people use it, but the very, very kind of initial basic version is uh, you, if you have a certain audience that you want to, uh, that you want to discover, let's say, for example, people that build notion, you want to build, you want to build some sort of plugins for notion. Right. You want to tap into that, you know, that growing space. Uh, and so gummy search within just a couple minutes, you type in, I want to create an audience of, uh, notion users, uh, gummy search will surface you the, you know, five, six communities that discuss notion and you can really quickly save them uh, to your audience. And now you can use that audience to dive into their conversations for pain points, their solution requests, or search for specific keywords. If you want to, you want to search for the word plugin, 
Um, but the idea is that it should be super easy to identify the communities that you're interested in and then find the insightful conversations that help you with your goal at the moment. And some people use that to come up with ideas and some people use that to set up track keywords to sell if they already have an existing solution. So it's a little bit of a different use cases for, for people. And when you say communities, it's subreddits, right? Yes, exactly. What What's the pricing model? How do you make money with it? It's a, it's a subscription pricing model. Um, so I have, I currently have two uh, paid tiers. Uh, one is just a starter uh, for people that are early stage entrepreneurs looking to uh, discover new business ideas, looking to discover communities and to figure out what they are talking about. And that's uh, priced at a uh, something that I think is fair to indie hackers, people, you know, pre-revenue, pre-idea sometimes. Um, What's the price? It's $19 a month. And then I have the next pricing tier, which I call Pro. These are This is for people that have a solution that want to tap into potential sales opportunities. I want to track certain keywords related to the pain points of product solves, related to the name of their product category, related to their competitor names, related to their own brand. Um, and so this is priced at currently $39 a month. Um, and it's for a slightly different kind of user. Uh, I'm also building out a team plan, which I'm pretty excited about. Cool. Yeah, it really looks like a, a mature product. Can you can you tell us how much money are you making? It's still it's still pretty it's still pretty early um, in terms of the the revenue journey, and I'll and I'll explain why. But it's about a it's about a little under a thousand dollars MRR okay. for for Gummy Search. Quite good. Okay. It's it's good. It's a, a Gummy Search is coming up on its um its first year birthday. I'm gonna be celebrating. Uh, celebrating in june and so i'm pretty i'm pretty proud of it. Good, uh, yeah. especially given the um the fact that i ran a lifetime deal um promotion earlier this earlier this year and so a lot of the gummy search customers they're not mrr customers they paid one uh you know one bulk price um and they have access yeah. to the gummy search product for life um and so the it's a lot more revenue, but not quite seen in MRR just at the moment. But it's been a powerful force to get word of mouth, yeah. to get feedback. And um, now I feel like I'm in a pretty good position to uh, scale up the recurring revenue. Do, do you regret the doing the lifetime deal? No, no, not at all. It was awesome. I was talking with uh, Luca in one of my interviews, and he told me that, uh, yeah, it kind of regrets it a little bit because in the end with a lifetime deal, you are not getting engaged users. So it might be good to launch the product, but then they already paid once and most of them won't care. Um, or they like kind of, I heard that they like exchange the, um, the lifetime deal between themselves or they sell it. So he was a bit upset with that, but uh, you, you think it's still worth it? They they do the Latin Bill communities. They they have a culture of their own, um, and it's it is pretty it's pretty interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I have I have no regrets. Um, at least at least not right now. I had about three hundred customers by the deal wow. in total. That brought me about fifty thousand dollars in revenue over the span of two months. And I think of that as the seed funding or the pre-seed funding. Did you say 50,000? Five zero? 50,000. Whoa. Yes. 
<laughs> that's absurd. Yeah, in the span, that's really good. In the span of two months, um, for for a very very early product at the time, I think my MRR was like 300, 300 MRR. So um, I I'm pretty happy with how that went, and it's also as I mentioned, it's given me this this amazing force. Yeah, maybe not everyone that bought the deal is an active, engaged customer. Uh, but I have so many that gave me so many, so many good ideas that have spread the word. It has um, enabled my MRR, my subscription customers to grow just from the, the force of 300 new committed, uh, you know, customers that are invested in the success of the product. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I'm excited for what what kind of doors this has opened up for me and yeah. I have some some fun things planned for gummy search this year. Uh so it's it's been it's been good. But I recognize that not every SaaS founder has the same feeling about lifetime deals. I did mine a little differently than most people do. I wrote about it on on Twitter um and cuz I I specifically ran a private lifetime deal where I sold the deal myself as opposed to using a marketplace like AppSumo or um yeah, there's a couple of other ones and yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. To be honest, you got me convinced as 50, 50k. This is this is really <laughs> absurd. I mean, I'm really surprised that you can get. Uh, it's yeah, it's a raising. Know, it's a way to raise I was, money. I was too. <laughs> I was too, and especially what I mentioned earlier. I built this as a as a tool for myself, and the fact that people are paying me for it is is sometimes you know I need to I need to pinch myself and because it, yeah. it seems it seems crazy. And tell me about the MRR. You said um, lifetime deal aside, which I think you should consider it as well as at least for this year, you should split it by 12 and then your MRR would be much, much more, which is crazy. <laughs> um, how, like what I've noticed with my community is that it took me like six, uh, five months to reach $100 and then one month to reach 200. Uh, and I'm, I, at the moment I, I am at the 400. So it seems that it's kind of accelerating. I don't know if it will keep up or, or mm -hmm. not. Um, did you find the same that your MRR growth uh, accelerated? Yeah, in terms of in terms of overall amount, I would say yes. I think that in terms of uh, I think about it, I track it more in terms of percents, uh, percent growth month over month, um, and that's to be honest that that value jumps around quite a bit. But uh, but yeah, I. I think that is that is how it works. That's right. how your MRR uh, tends to accelerate and grow grow faster and faster. I think for me during when I was run, was running the lifetime deal for those two months, it actually dipped, which is pretty discouraging to see. But it was because some of my existing customers that did like the product, they were like, "Oh, I'm going to buy a lifetime yeah, deal." So um, they they churned and then and then bought the deal. And so, but now since since I ended the deal. Um, the MRR growth is, is uh, much faster than it was before. What, what's your marketing strategy at the moment for Gummy Search? How are you collecting new users? Two main channels. Uh, number one is using Gummy Search um, to look for opportunities to plug my product, look for opportunities to plug my content. Um, that's actually one of the things that I that I've been really enjoying is when I track keywords um, in the communities that I that I monitor. It's not just about uh, you know, the category of software that I'm making. No one's talking about Reddit audience research, you know, but people are talking about finding customers with an ad budget. People are talking about, um, you know, the struggles of uh, 
coming up with business ideas, of validating the business ideas. And these are all things that I have some, some nice blog posts written about. And so most of the time, I am actually just uh, promoting those blog posts. People are saying, hey, I have this solution. How do I validate it? I have this validation you know, blog post, one of my favorite, it was one of my most popular ones. And I just help people um, find that content. They end up reading the rest of my uh, my posts. Right. They decide to try gummy search and then and then go from there. So I would say Reddit is um, one of my two biggest uh, sources of new customers and users. And the second one is building in public on on Twitter. Right. The building public community is amazing, as I'm sure you you're well yeah. aware. Um, it's a great source of inspiration, knowledge, and then also customers. You know, I think that's um, a lot of people want to uh, are going down the same journey as as we are and see the benefit yeah. of using yeah, audience definitely. control. But this is very active marketing, right? I, I mean, you need to actively do it and and share. Uh, how, how many how many hours do you put um, per way or per day or per week uh, into this kind of marketing? Uh, yeah, so for, for Reddit, um, I spend 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes. Uh, in, in Gummy Search, I just, I, Gummy Search, and it's, it's built for this, right? This was the original use case, is to find the conversations where people are talking about um, things that you're an expert in that you can help out with. And so I just log into my Gummy Search and I see, um, you know, the certain amount of conversations every single day that I can reply to, I get out those messages and then I go back to work. Um, and so that drives, even though it is active, I'm doing it. Um, it doesn't take much time and the payoff for those 10 minutes of investment can be huge. I had this, you know, one Reddit comment two days ago that, um, you know, got me 50 new users. It's just one Reddit comment, well, you know? Um, and then for Twitter, I know that some people track their time on Twitter. I, I don't really know how much time I spend on Twitter. Up to an hour uh, a day of chat, chatting with people and uh, coming up with, with tweets. But I'm not as regimented about it as some of you are. I just, when, I, when I'm going through something with one of my products and I feel like it's something that the indie community would appreciate, I you, just put it out should. there and then yeah. you know, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, 10, 10 minutes a day, it's quite impressive for Reddit. And especially if it brings you so much traffic, it's even something that you can easily automate. You can um, pay a VA or some something to to do that for you. That's why you want to build the the team the team uh, feature, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes <laughs> makes little sense. One thing that I've noticed about your products, and this goes both for Gemi Search and the Hive Index, it's not super scalable, right? Like for instance, the the Hive Index, I cannot submit my community, right? I have to send it to you, and then you submit it for me. And every time I want to switch something, I have to send it to you. Uh, now also now we we're trying to work out with with the reviews as well, uh, and you kind of built a form mm -hmm. that then I I I had to to fill in, and even with Gemi Search it's also like this, right? I I I sign up and I got an email, then I think it went to a type form or something. So the process is not coded in the application. Um, why is that? All right, so for for Gummy Search, I, I'm I'm trying to make it as smooth as possible. And yeah, you do when you sign up, you get an email, and that's my way of verifying your email. I don't want people um, continuously making new fake accounts with email addresses. Um, it's a you know it is a paid product, and I want right. to keep the uh, the free trial free. I think that if um, if I'm not validating emails, people are going to abuse it, and I'm going to have to take the free trial away, which I don't want to do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you're right about the hive index is that it's, it's not, it's not quite 
a an engine that just that just like works but it's i will say it's 98 percent automated um and hence why i spend you know a lot more time on gummy search is that uh really when you want to submit a community you fill out the google form it has all the details i get notified about it and then i approve it send it up on the site um, i think that because it's a manually curated resource um you know i i want to have a little bit of a little bit of review before i put it up on the site this these are these are recommendations that i'm making um and i i think that to be completely automated where anyone can just put something up on my website i don't know if i would right. go for that no that makes sense but why having a google form and not like creating a sign up form in the website here is uh an interesting thing about the hive index website the hive index is a google spreadsheet that is that is the site uh i um, and I, I wrote about this a little bit, but I basically have all of the data in the Google spreadsheet. Um, I enter it myself. It's super easy to modify. It's super easy to uh, to make new kinds of data, to figure out the relationships between them. And then I compile that into a website with um, the intent of uh, programmatic SEO. Um, and so it's a super, super simple website. And I like it that way. There's a little bit of a... Um, you know, that means there's a little bit of friction when it comes to when it comes to uh, signing up a new community. They need to submit a form, but it goes in the spreadsheet, and then I approve it. Press the button says deploy, and then it, and it's up on the site. Uh, but because because it's simple, it makes it it makes it super easy to to modify to grow. But I don't get it. So the, the spreadsheet is is your database. Yes. And then how do you connect that with uh, your website? Like, uh, which stack are you using to? I use I use a um, a front end framework called Gatsby. Um, it generates oh, yeah. uh, static static sites. Uh, one of the things Gatsby does really well is it can use data from different data sources, being your code base, be your content management system, or being a, a spreadsheet. Um, which I find I find it works for me, and I think it's it's the reason that the Hive Index it took me like two weeks to build. I decided to keep it simple and just get into the habit of launching something. I got really inspired by Peter Level's 12 startups in 12 months um, blog post. And I was like, you know what? This is a this is a good idea. You know, I I don't want to overthink something. I want to go ahead and just get in the process of shipping something. And so I had the idea for the Hive Index. I started it with just 100 communities that I found in the same spreadsheet. I realized that a resource like it didn't exist. So I plugged it into my static site generator launched it and it's gone you know since since then now if i if someone wants to submit a community which goes in the sheet i all i need to do is press a button and if someone wants to pay me usually how that how that works for 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 a promotion is someone will reach out on email or twitter and be like hey i want to promote my listing and all i do is i i update a row in the spreadsheet i press the button and it's live. So yeah, I mean, yeah, true. Even even for a promotion, we, we tried out uh, for a month uh, the promotion. It, like I, I messaged you on Twitter, and it's, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, here's the PayPal link. <laughs> Doesn't this take a little bit of the credibility to the website? Because as a community owner, when I see, okay, let let me submit here, and then opens a Google form, I think, hmm, is this really serious? And then when I when I try to, you know, pay for um, a promotion, you say, like, yeah, here's my PayPal link. It's like, hmm, you know, 
I know you, uh, and so I, and I'm following you, so I, I trust you. But I guess for people that do not know you, don't don't you think this might be a problem? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, to be honest, I haven't uh, I haven't been going full force with the with the monetization of the platform. I'm I'm grateful to have a couple of amazing sponsors for for communities, but really. You know, I built the site so that people can find communities. I built the site for it to be a, a free resource for people to find a community based off their needs, um, based off of the platform, based off the topic, based off the features of the community. Uh, and similar to how I feel about the gummy search, I think the people, the fact that people want to to pay me to promote because the traffic of the site has gotten to a point where it makes makes sense for people to promote. I think that's also a bonus. And personally, I love meeting community uh, community yeah. founders. You know, when people hit me up on Twitter, they're like, "Hey, I want to promote." Um, it's awesome. I, you know, I've enjoyed getting, getting to know you, and, right. and the same the same with other with other yeah, community yeah, members. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 opened up opportunities to to go on podcasts like this to um, to meet folks. So it's at the moment, I'm not I'm not too worried about the friction. But maybe at some point, I'll make it a little more streamlined. I I love how how you pitch that now. How to turn out something now? It's not a bug; it's a feature. I, I get to meet other people. I get to, that's why I'm in this podcast because of that Google form. It's like okay, makes yeah. sense. You, you you also spoke about something that I think a lot of people made a lot of people curious, even when you spoke about it on on Twitter, which is programmatic SEO. Yes. What is that? That's just a fancy name for SEO. Um, really, SEO, <laughs> SEO is SEO, but that is that's the idea. Of, you know, what I described with the spreadsheet, I have I have this data, and based off of this data, I can make thousands of web pages that are uh, optimized for certain Google search queries, and that's how the majority of the Hive Index visitors find my site. It's not for me promoting it. I do, uh, you know, I do promote it on on Reddit when the opportunity comes up, and that was a great boost to my initial traffic and people finding out about it. But at this point, um, you know, all of the hundred topic pages, entrepreneurship, software development, um, you know, uh, product management, all of those topic pages they rank for various um, they rank for various search queries on Google. Um, some of the platforms do, some of the individual communities. Uh, and yeah, programmatic SEO is just a fancy way of saying I make a lot of web pages, um, and those web pages do one thing, and uh, that is you know be optimized for certain kinds of Google search queries. But what what do you mean with making a lot of web pages? So do you mean like each community has their own web page in in Dive Index? Yes. In the, this, yes. Okay. But I mean, you could do that with. A database, any database, right? You don't need to do to use a Google Sheet for that, right? That that, that is true. Um, I think that maybe more of the programmatic SEO part comes out in the topic pages. Uh, and here's here's an example. Um, I have you know a page for entrepreneurship communities, and obviously those uh, those search queries uh, that are optimized that I'm optimizing that page for it's around uh, people looking for entrepreneurship communities. But sometimes people search for entrepreneurship communities on Slack, on Discord. Sometimes people search for paid entrepreneurship communities, uh, for entrepreneurship communities that organize, you know, pairing the, ho the host events. And the idea is that that is all data that I have in my, in my 
fancy spreadsheet. And based off of that data, I can make custom pages uh, programmatically that are optimized for those types of search queries. Um, and so, yes, you could, you don't need, it doesn't need to be in a Google spreadsheet. Um, I find that's what works. That's what works for me because it's really easy to, to modify and, um, and whatnot. But the idea behind programmatic SEO is that you're making a lot of web pages. Yeah. Makes total sense. And it's clearly working, right? Because, uh, you just mentioned that your main source of, uh, users to dive index is SEO, right? Yes, absolutely. And how many visits do you get per day? It's not quite a thousand yet, but um, let's wow, see. Wow, it's still past, good. Really good. In the past month, I've had 20,000 visitors to the Hive Index. Wow. Yeah. That's and really I have just as mostly SEO. Yeah. And that's the past month. And in the past month, I've, I've helped 6,000 people find 11,000 communities, which is inspiring. It inspires me. To, to see that there's yeah. 6,000 people it's that amazing. were looking for some sort of community and my help, my, my site helped them find it. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked on that. And, and what are they searching for? Are they searching for, um, what kind of communities are they searching for? Mostly? I think that most, most of the, um, most of the communities that I rank highly for are like entrepreneurship communities on software development communities, um, some, some gaming, some crypto. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, it is a little hard for me to figure out what people are searching for versus what people are searching for and finding my site for, because there are certain pages that, um, maybe there's not enough communities on it where they're not ranking as high as they could. But, um, yeah, to be honest at this point, I, I track the, I track what people are searching for, but not that intensely because there's so many different options at this point, you know, the site ranks for thousands of, of various keywords. And, um, like I said, it's, it's mostly an autopilot. I, I, I just, I just respond to the Twitter DMS when people say they want to, they want to sponsor. Really cool. I'm how, how much money, money are you making already from, from this live index? Um, it's a couple, couple hundred bucks a month. Not bad. Really cool. For something that you have in autopilot almost. Yeah. I have, uh, I have some plans though. Um, It'll, okay. It'll change Interesting. <laughs> as as a, a last uh, question for you, or last topic here for you is, so I've I've already invited you multiple times to to join the WB space, and you said that uh, you've been in quite busy because you you've been and you are a member of many communities already. What do you search for in a in a community? It's a it's a really good it's a really good question because um, I think that there's a lot of different ways that people leverage communities uh you know some people are just looking for people to hang out with because they're lonely and they want to find like-minded people some people use the online communities for uh you know for learning from others for figuring out what they should be doing with their business especially in the entrepreneurial communities um some people like using the online communities to meet people offline that's been one of the that's been one of the fun things for me is some of the communities that, that I've joined while I've been doing, um, some of the travel that I've been doing have enabled me to like meet indie hackers in, in real life, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, some people obviously use online communities to promote their own business. Um, hopefully it's in a, it's in a way that's, that's respectful. Um, yeah, I think that for the things that matter to, to me, I think that, uh, you know, Having people to bounce ideas off of, um, 
having opportunities to learn from people, having opportunities to meet people in in real life. Uh, those are the things that. Yeah. What What are the top uh, indie indie making communities uh, that you know of? Well, this is a tr trick question. You know what to say first. No, I'm joking. Completely <laughs> fine. Well, they're they're on the website, and I've met I I've met some really amazing uh, founders and uh, of of online communities, and those are the ones that I that I promote. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Before, obviously, there there are some people that that pay to have a sponsor listening on on the Hive Index. Yeah. But I found that uh, before I had the sponsored listings, uh, it's those same communities that are the ones that I was telling people about because I've heard such good things about it. Um, right. You know, I've heard amazing things about the wanting to be entrepreneur uh, space and just so many positive reviews. And so I would I would recommend it to people even before I met you. The same thing goes for Indie Worldwide, Anthony's Anthony's community. I've heard yeah, so many amazing yeah. things about that. Um, that community also, uh, at the time, it was called the Weekend Club. Now it's the Ramen Club, yeah, Charlie Ramen Ward. Club. And so these, these, it's it's the same. It's the same couple of communities in the indie space that like yeah. everyone was always talking about, and they were on my list. And when when people would ask me, hey, like what community should I join? I said, hey, you should check out these ones. Yeah. Um, and it is yeah. interesting. Maybe it's maybe it's because of that that um, you guys now have decided to to, to sponsor. But um, I think it's you know it's more about the uh, the quality of the community and uh, all the work that you do in maintaining it. I think definitely the ones that you mentioned are the ones that um, catch my attention the most. Pat, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak here with the wannabe entrepreneurs. It was a real pleasure to learn more about your own journey and uh, yeah, how you, your approach to indie hacking. I think that's really interesting. You, you seem so relaxed and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, it's not normal. So it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 thank you, Tiago. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you for the delightful conversation. Um, and, and yes, I, I'm happy. I'm happy to share to share my journey and to um, you know show what's what's worked for me, what hasn't worked for me being relaxed and having a long-term attitude i found that that works for me maybe from from my past experiences so happy to happy to share the journey yeah and i will share your uh, twitter gummy search and the uh, dive index in the show notes and the mm -hmm. blog post that we mentioned uh, please send it to me so that i can also share it here for people to read everyone here listening make sure to to test gummy search because it's definitely the best way for you at least to get a few first users in your in your platforms to do some market analysis reddit is the way and uh, gummy search can help you with that thank you thank you tiago i appreciate it thank you very much for the new listeners out there you just listened to another episode of the wannabe entrepreneur if you want to learn more from the journey of other indie makers make sure to go to wannabe-entrepreneur.com and you'll find not only the podcast but also our community wb space we are more than 60 members now, all indie makers supporting each other while building our own products. Besides that, if you want to support this podcast, make sure to tweet about it. And you can also buy our amazing WB merch. We have hoodies, we have t-shirts, we have mugs, everything for you. And you can just go to store.wannabe-entrepreneur.com. All of these links will be in the show notes. This was another wannabe entrepreneur. See you next time.